Whoa, it's you again? You're watching too much Vulnerable You. You gotta slow down. All right, you're still here? Wanna talk about this week's hacks? All right, well, the one that everyone's talking about this week is Okta. A lot of moving pieces. Here's everything we know. I'm Matt Johansson. Welcome to another Vulnerable You. So Okta got hacked again this year, and they weren't even the ones who found this breach. A few of the more savvy customers were the ones who caught on to the fact that their session tokens with Okta were being used by not them. This all started with Okta's support port portal that got hacked, but the only thing that we know about how is that they used stolen credentials. Beyond stolen credentials, everything else is speculation, but it turns out a regular practice for Okta's support team was to request their customers to upload what's called an HTTP archive file, or HAR file, or HAR file, I don't know what you call it. But these files were used to replay a certain session and figure out and diagnose what was going on with their customer. They included sensitive informations like the session tokens from the users. Okta came out and disclosed the breach and they said that about 1% of their customers were impacted to kind of downplay it, which is about 170 companies. But then we started to learn about who those companies were and we know about three of them now. One was Beyond Trust, who was the one who actually told Okta about the hack to begin with. And then we learned about Cloudflare and 1Password. All three of these companies have made it clear that none of their user data was impacted at all but they all independently noticed that their session cookies with Okta were being used by a malicious actor. I wanna be very clear here. If you're a 1Password customer or a Cloudflare customer, you're in the clear. Your passwords are fine, everything's okay. But the internet took a lot of cheap shots at 1Password this week because their press release on this issue didn't instill a whole lot of confidence. They said things like the IT employee uploaded this sensitive information from hotel Wi-Fi, and then after the breach, they are enforcing YubiKeys, which led some people to ask why they weren't enforcing YubiKeys beforehand. Okta makes it pretty hard to enforce YubiKeys, by the way, so I don't really blame them on that one. And then they said that they used the free version of malware bytes to make sure that they were all clear. And the tech behind that free version of malware bytes is not actually a problem, but that's not really like an EDR solution. This is more of a PR blunder than a tech blunder. The layman reading that, it doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence. But some of the seasoned security professionals in the industry came up and said, hey, it makes a whole lot of sense to use an out-of-band scanner during your cleanup efforts, kind of make sure that everything's okay. Fairly normal practices getting scrutinized and people are throwing stones from glass houses because of the breach. But that all being said, obviously your one password, people are kind of holding you to a higher standard in times like this. Overall, good response job by 1Password and Cloudflare and Beyond Trust to notice these breaches, mitigate them, and not let any of their customer data get impacted. If you're interested in this story, there was a million write-ups this week about it. I'll include some links below from each of the different vendors, press releases, and Brian Krebs, who had, I think, one of my favorite write-ups summarizing the whole issue. Ooh, happy Halloween, CISOs. This next one's as spooky as they come. We're seeing legal repercussions for you getting hacked. It's the ghost of breaches past this week, and the SEC is coming for the CISO of SolarWinds for the breach that happened, yeah, like three years ago. For those of you who are new to the industry or maybe just don't remember the details, about three years ago, SolarWinds had one of the biggest data breaches of all time. This is the breach that really kicked off the whole supply chain security madness and buzzword bingo. It's not every day you add a square to your bingo card at RSA. But SolarWinds is one of those companies that has been around a long time and their software is just everywhere. So when they had a breach and they started shipping 
updates to their software packages everywhere that included some malicious code, it impacted a whole lot of people. Hence the supply chain security craze. Now everyone was not just worried about the code that they were producing internally, but they're worried about the vendor code that they were shipping in from third parties. Well, the breach happened a while ago and it's just coming to light now that the SEC is going after the CISO of SolarWinds at the time about them lying and being negligent and misrepresenting the cybersecurity posture of SolarWinds to investors who is a public company. Turns out it's not illegal to get hacked. It's not even illegal to be bad at security most of the time, but it is illegal to mislead investors about your security posture, which is what the SEC complaint is saying is happening now. If you don't also remember the details, SolarWinds was compromised for about two years before they announced the discovery of the breach in 2020. That whole time they were a publicly traded company. When you're a publicly traded company, you're held to a different standard about what kind of notification you need to give the SEC and the banks and your investors, the public, when you suffer a data breach. Well, this complaint is going to, into great detail about looking at all sorts of internal communications that were going on at SolarWinds at the time that lets the SEC know that the CISO and the security team knew about a whole bunch of security vulnerabilities and risks that they didn't disclose as part of the breach notification. There's also some nasty details in here about the CISO selling stock after the breach, but before the disclosure, also stating that the security posture was better than it was to help inflate the stock price during the IPO and then even around the breach. There's also some nasty details about some security practices that just really don't look great. Their Akamai server's password was SolarWinds123. There was a bunch of other stuff in there as well. I think looking at this one under a microscope, it's gonna look worse to the public than it actually is. There's a lot of things in here that are being represented as negligent that I know for a fact a lot of us deal with. But like I said, doing those things isn't necessarily the problem here. It's the misrepresentation of it to the public, to investors, to banks, and to auditors. I'm also hearing people being worried about this setting a precedent for legal action against CISOs during or after a breach. Again, I don't think most CISOs have anything to worry about as long as they're just open and honest with auditors and the public, especially if you're a publicly traded company. So when those auditors come knocking and ringing the doorbell, make sure to give them the full-size candy bar this week. None of the snack size, definitely no pennies, and please don't give them a toothbrush. No tricks, all treats. Anyway, you really got to read this whole complaint. It's full of a lot of details I don't have time to go into here. I'll have the link in the description below. And while you're down there, please leave a like, subscribe, turn on alerts, share this video with a friend. It really helps the channel out. Oh, Cisco, when will the headlines ever end? Things have gotten really interesting since we learned about this critical zero day that was impacting iOS XE devices by Cisco recently. We're going to talk about the latest on that zero day and the compromised devices and a second zero day got discovered. Let's get right into it. As you probably heard already, even if you don't watch this channel and where we talked about it last week, Cisco discovered a zero day that was impacting iOS XE devices whose management portals were open on the internet. The impact of those breaches was attackers gained full access to the compromised devices and in turn, full access to the compromised network. They could create admin accounts with full privileged access on these networks. Well, it turns out after further investigation, those 10,000 hacked devices we talked about recently were completely unrelated to the original zero day. Cisco announced a new zero day that they found during the investigation. And what tipped them off was that devices that were being patched to the original vulnerability were still getting compromised. The breach devices seemed to be getting a one-two punch, an initial compromise in access, and then an escalation of privilege to full root. Then to get even more interesting, while reporting about this new zero day, we noticed that the 
10,000 compromised devices on the internet dropped to near zero. Some speculated that this could be kind of like what we saw about Quackbot a few weeks ago, where the FBI actually took control over the compromised devices and patched them themselves. Turns out that that just wasn't the case. The malware morphed to better evade detection. My advice still stands from last week. If you're running these devices, get the management portals off the internet. You're probably already compromised and you have a whole incident to deal with, but please get these things off the internet. Actually, this goes for you running any sort of privileged network device. Do not have the management portal open on the internet for people to log into. But obviously a bit of urgency if you're running anything by Cisco and specifically the iOS XE devices. All right, those were some great overviews. Let's do a bunch of quick rundowns of some other interesting stuff that I found this week. First up is iLeakage. This is a new side channel attacks that some researchers wrote a whole paper about, including some branding, which, you know, we love. We didn't have to say CVE, blah, 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 blah. iLeakage, it's got a logo. If you're not familiar with what a side channel attack means, it's not attacking the actual code on these Apple devices. It's actually attacking the chip architecture in modern M-based MacBooks and iPhones and iPads. If you remember Spectre and Meltdown back in 2018, they used the same speculative execution type attack against chips. Since then, a lot of mitigations have been put in place to make those fairly irrelevant, but these researchers proved that this kind of attack still works and still works on modern Apple devices. They didn't release any POC code, and it takes basically a PhD and full reversing of these chips to exploit this attack. So likelihood is pretty low. That's why they feel comfortable talking about it publicly, even though there isn't a broad patch out yet. But if you want to see what the latest side channel attack looks like, definitely read this academic paper. Super interesting. The demos that they have on their website show them loading a malicious page, which then opens new tabs in like Instagram and Gmail, and it steals the context of your inbox and steals your passwords as you try to log into some social medias. They're just proving that they can access this information in cross tabs, which is what you're not supposed to be able to do. But again, they're not doing it by hacking Safari. They're doing it by timing attacks and race conditions happening at the chip level. Super in-depth, and we're not going to go into all that here, but read more about it if you're interested. Another one came out this week that Telegram is leaking IP addresses of its users, especially when used in voice calls in the app. This is obviously a concern because Telegram is supposed to be a secure and private messenger. And people use it in certain vulnerable situations where they're trying to hide their identity or location. And it turns out all you have to do is add a contact and then call that contact and it'll actually reveal their IP address. There is a setting in the app that you can adjust about peer-to-peer -peer connections that will help hide your IP address, but it's not on by default. In another story, the Spanish National Police arrested 34 cyber criminals that were connected to the theft of stolen data of over 4 million people. Their profits are around 3.2 million US dollars from the stolen data that they laundered through all sorts of crypto assets. There's a large group of 34 people to all go down at once. All right, that's it. I've got a few more stories that I didn't cover on YouTube. They're all in my newsletter. You could have already had this in your inbox a few days ago at this point. Find the link to subscribe to Vulnerable You newsletter in the description below. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, I also put the audio on all your favorite podcast platforms if you want to listen while you're driving. And feel free to reach out to me on Twitter and say, hey, and let me know what you like or don't like about the show. I appreciate you all. Stay safe, stay secure, and we'll see you soon for another Vulnerable You.